this week, and I'll show you mine. Evil sorceresses, runes, dwarves, brownies, death hounds. Also, Val Kilmer is there. <laughs> it's like D&D, but with Val Kilmer. <laughs> To another episode of I'll Show You Mine, the podcast where I, Elise, show my husband James Hello. movies he's never seen, and he shows me video games I've never played. This week, I'm showing James Willow from 1988, directed by Ron Howard and starring Warwick Davis, Val Kilmer, and Joanne Whaley. Willow tells the story of a fantasy world, a prophecy that a child will bring about the downfall of an evil sorceress and the people who try to protect that child. Okay. You've heard it before. It's a Snow White kind of story, you know. Prophecy. Great. (laughs) My favorite. Your favorite thing. Uh, The story was conceived by George Lucas in 1972, around the time he was working on Star Wars. He approached Warwick Davis, who was playing Wicket, the Ewok, in Return of the Jedi, about playing Willow. He thought it would be a good idea to use a little person as the lead role to like just make his usual theme of the little guy against the system more literal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucas claims he had to wait until the mid-80s to begin work on the project while visual effects technology caught up with the vision that he had for it. Mm. He hooked up with Ron Howard uh, when Ron Howard starred in American Graffiti, Mm. which George Lucas did. Ron Howard also was working at Industrial Light and Magic and was looking to direct a fantasy film. And George Lucas thought that they worked well together and thought that they would have a a symbiotic relationship. Mm. So he said, you're the guy. And uh, that's it. (laughs) They, They went and did it. It took a while because of this visual effects stuff. But yeah. It released to mixed reviews, but made decent money off of a a 30-something million dollar budget. It made about 130-ish million dollars. Uh, I think that's over time and maybe globally. So a pretty big budget for the time uh, and not like a huge success, but, Mm. but decent. Critics basically said that the effects and performances were good, but the story is kind of slow and convoluted. And it's a high fantasy story, so that's kind of what you're going to get. <laughs> when okay, you... okay. But again, as I mentioned at the end of the last episode, I don't really remember a lot. Um, as we know now, of course, a sequel series was ordered for Disney Plus in 2022, but it was canceled after one season and removed from Disney Plus in May as a result of this content purge cost-cutting thing that Bob Iger has been going on. So it's not even on Disney Plus anymore. Lost media already. Yeah, I'm sure it exists out there. Somebody probably ripped it. But I don't think it was soon enough for it to have, like, a DVD or a Blu-ray release or anything. So it's just one of these shows that was lost to time. Um, Poor Warwick. uh, Lawrence Kasdan, I think, was involved with the sequel series. And he really loved the story and the characters. So he was kind of 
the cheerleader for it. Should and I his, know who that is? Uh, he was he's been involved with Star Wars stuff with uh, Lucasfilm. Not Lawrence Kasdan, Jonathan Kasdan, who is Lawrence Kasdan's son. Oh. Lawrence Kasdan, co-writer of Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, for like a bunch of Star Wars. Pretty he's good. he's Pretty a Star good. Wars writer guy. <laughs> so Jonathan Kasdan, his son, was like the champion of this. And so his his statements about it are like, it's on hiatus. We're going to try to bring it back. I want to see this kept going. But the way it's looking, it's like not looking great. Maybe more people should see the movie first. <laughs> and then... Uh, we can get some yeah we need to get the, the willow cult bigger so this is our first step we're we're starting it up again you're welcome jonathan <laughs> but yeah like i said i really i can't conjure much of this movie isn't like, it something that didn't you say that your family quotes something about it sometimes yeah my <laughs> my uncle would say like willow's wife i think in the movie is named kaya and he like when they there's you know some moment where he's like coming to come home and like he's yelling for her like Kaya Kaya and so like that was something that my uncle's just like one of those things that they like you know it burned into the brain and it was a thing that they said and so when it was like something urgent you know it's like Kaya Kaya is Willow Warwick yes okay <laughs> Warwick Davis is Willow who is a uh, the the race of people that he's supposed to be are called Nelwyn which is like mm. a, a type of, it's a little person in this world. That gnome type. The world is split between like tall people and little people. And so they're like different races of people. And he's one of the little people. Got it. He's a, a magic user, a, a would-be sorcerer. Hmm. So, I mean, I saw this when I was really young. I must have been under 10. It came out the year we were born. And I don't really remember revisiting it. I feel like I saw it when I was little and it was just in the air. Like my parents and aunts and uncles were more familiar with it than I was. And so, like I said, it's like my uncle said Kaya Kaya. And that's like the thing that I know from Fantastic. it. Fantastic. You were <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel for, on this one, huh? No, no. It was like a minor cultural phenomenon. And so I think it's one of these like cult favorite fantasy stories. And honestly, like, I wanted to revisit it because this series was announced and I'm like, I don't even remember, you know, I know Willow, but I don't really know Willow. So yeah. I figured why not let us both experience Willow basically for the first time again. So this will be a, a slightly different episode than the usual one because, you know. Basically seeing it for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> and another little, like nugget that is more uh, again more recent is in reservation dogs one of the main girls name is alora dannon and that's from willow it's like the main the 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 girl who's at the center of all of the the prophecy the one who's supposed to Someone named their kid in the show. Yeah. After a character. After a character in, in Willow. Willow. And they and they talk about it in Reservation Dogs. They're like, Alora Dannon, like from Willow. And it's like, yeah, her mom was like really into that movie. And so and I feel like that's the energy that I remember. It was like I didn't re necessarily really Willow? Yeah, like, Really? Willow? Yeah, oh, Willow, right. Okay. Oh yeah, I remember that movie vaguely. <laughs> so I feel like that 
was kind of a nod to how this movie captured the imaginations of people of a certain generation, which is kind of the way I remember my family thinking about it. So. A small pocket of enthusiastic fans. For high fantasy, <laughs> which doesn't really happen that often. So, hey, you know, we take we take the wins where we can get them. It's in the same vein as the movie Legend for me. As right. By <laughs> the Aliens guy. Ridley he, Scott? He, yeah, he directed Legend with Tom Cruise and Tim Curry. <laughs> Anybody remember that? Crickets. So, yeah. You don't know anything about Willow other than... I like to uh, say Willow. <laughs> and it's the same reason I like to say the Witcher. <laughs> I guess it's the W sound. Yeah. Well, That's it. Okay. Well, you know, let's just let's just go. Okay. Let's just dive in and uh, experience Willow. Experience these late 80s high fantasy visual effects bonanza that we had to wait until 1988 to get... <laughs> Because the, the you know, it just wasn't there in the 70s when George was thinking of it. Let's see what they got. We're back, and what a journey it's been. <laughs> There's a lot of plot and a lot of characters to get through in this one, so I think we'll just dive right in, and I'll let you jump in with your thoughts as we go through Okay. this plot. You're going to have questions for me, or am I... I don't have any questions for you. I figure... I mean, I have... We're going through this together. This is unprecedented. Okay. Because as we watched this, I realized I didn't remember any of this movie. <laughs> I remembered like the first, like the beginning, and then nothing else. As we were watching it, I was like, I don't know how this gets resolved. I don't know how any, where they go, where, who anybody's talking about. Just no memory whoosh, whatsoever. No memories really beyond what people look like and mm. like certain moments maybe of goofy things happening because I was a child. But yeah. other than that, <laughs> blank slate, baby. <laughs> Speculation is that it was just a terrible environment for watching a movie. It was probably on during some sort of party or something. I'm sure. I'm sure I watched it when it was on. Everyone was talking. <laughs> you know, it was like my family is not super precious about movie watching environment being you know let's dim the lights everybody quiet it's just like let's put a movie on and everyone is just gonna do whatever they're Mm -hmm. gonna do it's nobody's first time with this movie (laughs) so i think that's probably how it was they just threw it on maybe for the kids and uh we were in and out of the room i could see a kid liking (laughs) this playing and stuff yeah totally so in an unnamed fantasy world 
the evil sorcerer queen Bavmorda of Nakamar hears of a prophecy that a rune-marked baby girl will bring about her downfall. So, like you do, she imprisons all pregnant women in the kingdom. <laughs> when the baby is born, its mother begs for help from a midwife who smuggles the baby out of the castle. The one with the actual birthmark. Yes, the the baby. The baby. The baby with the rune who is going to be the the important prophecy mm. baby. That is some gutsy midwife. Indeed. Just, just on the spot. Okay, she, I'm going to try to smuggle this baby out, and if I'm caught, they're going to kill me. She made her decision, <laughs> and she's like, this is important enough. We have to take down Bavmorda. She fucking barely got away, too. Please help me. They're going to kill her. Uh, when Bavmorda discovers the baby missing, she sends her hounds after it, as well as her daughter Sorsha and an army led by General Kale, a huge man with a skull helmet. Uh, the midwife travels some distance with the baby, but is ultimately tracked down by the dogs and sets the child adrift on a river, a la Moses, to save it <laughs> before being attacked and killed. The baby floats down the river until it is discovered by Willow Ufgood, a Nelwyn farmer and aspiring sorcerer, and his two children, Rannon and Mims. At first, Willow is reluctant to take the baby in, recognizing that it is not a Nelwyn child, but a Daikini, which is the Nelwyn's word for the tall people, and the villagers will likely regard the baby with suspicion. However, the children are enamored with the baby, and when Willow's wife Kaya discovers it, it's game over. They immediately take her in. Everybody loves the baby. Yep. Almost got away with that, too. <laughs> with the wife. Kaya. 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 <laughs> Which you hear a lot. Anytime Willow is calling for Kaya, he's usually saying, Kaya, Kaya. Is her name actually Kaya, Kaya, Kaya? It's Three Kaya. times. It's just Kaya. But it's... Uh, K-A-I-Y-A, not just K-A-Y-A, which I, like, that's just what comes to yeah, mind. me too. Who's responsible for this? <laughs> A lot of interesting spellings in, uh, in this fantasy world. So this is our, our setting and our, our peoples are being populated here. What is your first impression of uh, our big bad, <laughs> Bavmorda, and Sorsha, and Kale? Bavmorda... She looks like somebody's um, trauma of Catholic school nuns, right? <laughs> she just looks like a fantasized, a fantasized uh, Catholic nun. She the, she does have a habit like outfit, but black she's a, and white. She's a is, sorcerer, which is like she's got that like skull cap thing with a oh robe yeah. over it. It's like, but epic. it is black and white. <laughs> it's, the, it's the purple armor. For nuns, you know, she's got the crown and, and some a bunch of embellishments, but yeah. And what was Kyrie? I don't know this guy's name. The Darth Vader knockoff for, for this world. General Kale. General Kale. Yeah, which, I just think of Kale. Which is the funniest. Okay. <laughs> it's Kale, K-A-E-L, because he's named for critic Pauline Kale, who's just a, a, a big name in film criticism mm. and uh, was a very divisive kind of figure had a lot of strong opinions that were sometimes not necessarily what everybody else thought 
The thing that she's like most known for, I think, is that she was a big critic of auteur theory, which is the idea mm. that the director is like the god of the movie. Mm-hmm. That 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 it's their vision and everything is about, you know, what they lay out. And she was like, that's bullshit. A lot of, <laughs> you know, they're not the only ones who control it. Sometimes it's not even their movie. Sometimes it's the producer. Sometimes it's the screenwriter. Sometimes it's a, a collaborative effort mm-hmm. of everybody. She was very dismissive of that idea that like... I can get behind that. I think there's some merit to that. And I mean... That's the thing with Pauline Kale is she had very strong opinions and sometimes you're like right on Pauline and sometimes you're like this bitch is crazy, <laughs> but she's that kind of figure. Yeah. So I think that this is one of the funniest things that George Lucas ever did was name this like ridiculous villain after Pauline Kale. <laughs> Living rent free in these dudes' heads, Pauline. <laughs> I swear. Damn you, Kale. <laughs> but he, he's so stupid. He's got that stupid spirit Halloween mask on that just rattles around his face. <laughs> it's a big skull. It's a big old skull, and it's like a, a helmet that it's got a, a nice, like, visor. Bravo. <laughs> Bravo. The skull just kind of, like, flips up and down <laughs> on the helmet. It's, uh, you know, he's got the best fitting helmet of everybody. Yeah, all the costumes of the bad guys were pretty awful. <laughs> Yeah, they're kind of a like samurai, vaguely influenced. Oh, like Darth Vader. Also, <laughs> Darth Vader and is dark, not a samurai. Dark colors, mostly black fabric. Um, Sorsha, uh, you know the beautiful young daughter of the evil queen, who is trying to emulate her mom, but ultimately is not evil like her. And her helmet, just she she was dressed like mockingly (laughs) yeah it was weird it was like they didn't plan for her to be in any of the armor and then at the very last minute we're like we need to put her in armor so just get her a man's armor and uh we'll make it work she's trying to command these troops and she looks ridiculous (laughs) i don't know how anybody takes her seriously but everybody follows her orders so it's like this very strange her mom's the queen so yeah And speaking of her mom, Bav Morda is played by Jean Marsh, who I recognized, and I'm sure others who watched this when it came out recognized her as a previous evil queen, Mombi from Return to Oz from 1985. Oh, so I don't remember what that character was. She's the she's the evil. The, okay. We watched Return to Oz, right? This was one of the ones yeah. I showed you before we had the idea for this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's another one that made a strong impression <laughs> on me as a child. Yeah. She's the one who ha- is the is the queen who has a, a hall full of heads that she changes uh, on a whim. Yeah, that's vaguely familiar. I'll just have to see a screenshot If you saw later. it as a child, it would be starkly familiar. <laughs> You would know her immediately. I was spared. Yeah. So she's got that witchy lady vibe. She's in her element here. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hounds are... Rat dogs. <laughs> rat dogs. They got like rat tails. On the wiki, they're called Nokmar hounds. And on the fandom wiki, they're called death dogs, which is like a and d thing. So... There's, some, there's something. They're weird dogs. 
Yeah, they're um, dogs with like some prosthetics on it. Yeah. It's on top of it. They are actually Rottweilers wearing fur suits and rubber masks. <laughs> fool me. <laughs> and of course the baby this this prophecy baby, very cute, very expressive, multiple babies. I think it was like three or four babies. One was a set of twins <laughs> and then another baby. You know how it is with these yeah, you babies have with babies. You have yourself a set of twin babies. You go to Hollywood. <laughs> you got a you got a set of twin babies that can emote this this uh, obviously and strongly. This was one of the best, if not the best, performance by a baby or person under one year old I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty good. And I mean, like you said about the midwife, this is like. Real dark, right out of the gate. We have a body count of two within the first, like, five minutes. Mm-hmm. The midwife is killed by these dogs, and also the mother of the prophecy baby, she's just like, kill her. Off screen, yeah. Off screen, she dies. Uh, so, we're in for it, it seems like. Uh, uh, a classic okay. 80s dark high fantasy tale. <laughs> oh, Morta, you have my attention. And uh, what did you think of the Nelwyn village? This village full of little people. It's like, uh, dare I say, Hobbiton. Hobbiton? <laughs> Just like the vibe is fully the Shire, right? Yeah. Maybe this influenced the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, well, yeah, we'll, it's we'll like circle back to it's that. It's very maybe. clear that George Lucas read Lord of the Rings and wanted to do a Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings was in the air. I mean, uh, there had been the the Rankin-Bass adaptations came out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it was something that he could conceivably have seen. When, he, when we were watching, he said, I, <laughs> I wonder if George Lucas read Lord of the Rings. And I got into it thinking you were asking, like, did he literally read the book? Or is it just that, like, he was enamored with that story? And I was kind of thinking, and I said to myself, like, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if he really read it and was like really loved that story, or if he just, you know, it was it's this famous fantasy story. And James is like, I was being facetious. This is a hundred percent Lord. Of the Rings. <laughs> like I was no, making a joke. That was about a rhetorical how... question. It doesn't even matter if he actually read it. The point is, <laughs> this is Lord of the Rings. I was Rings. getting all specific. Like, yeah, I bet. I wonder if, as a child, George Lucas really loved Lord of the Rings. Hmm. Well, of course he did. <laughs> He's fucking George Lucas. He made Star Wars. So at a village festival in the Nelwyn village, uh, the hounds descend and attack cradles, prompting Willow to come forward with the baby and ask the village leader, (laughs) the High Aldwin, what to do. The High Aldwin instructs that the baby must be taken back to her people, the Daikini, and that Willow must take her with a band of volunteers to the crossroads where they can find someone to pick her up. A fellowship? A small fellowship. (laughs) During the festival, Willow performs some sleight-of-hand magic and participates in a test by the High Aldwin to become his apprentice, but fails. The High Aldwin senses that Willow has the intuition to become a sorcerer, but lacks faith in himself. As he's, uh, you know, leading the the band out to, like, goodbye, go off on your quest, he asks Willow about the test. So it's like, what did you, what were you going to do? And confirms that Willow's first instinct was correct. He only failed because he doubted himself. What's your problem, son? How do you mean? When I held up my fingers, what was your first impulse? Well, it was stupid. Just tell me. 
with my own finger. Aha. That was the correct answer. You lack faith in yourself. More than anyone in the village, you have the potential to be a great sorcerer. Now, when you're out there, listen to your own hearts. In front, and he's up on stage in front of all his his entire community. Who like uh, the the guy Burgle Cut, okay. the prefect, the like head of the council, and also a bully of Willow. <laughs> big big time bully. He hates Willow. He hates him so much. He just takes every opportunity to be like Willow sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that plays into it that like when he calls up Willow, you know, says Willow, he's like, oh, sucks. Oh, Willow never gonna be a sorcerer. Yeah. Uh, and that test really sucked too. It's totally unfair to <laughs> the first person because it's a yeah, process right. of elimination off his fingers. It's not though. That's the whole thing. Yeah, but they don't He's, know that. I know, but that's the whole test. Is can you think for yourself, or are you just going to look at my hand and assume that that's what the test is? The test is if you haven't seen the movie, listeners, is he holds out his hand and says, "Which which finger holds the power of the universe? You know where where how can you control the power of the universe?" holds out his hand and there's three guys and the first two choose finger and willow kind of like glances at his own hand and then chooses a finger and the high alderman is shakes his head in disappointment and is like no no none of you are worthy a a sorcerer would have said this test is not fair (laughs) yeah the true sorcerer uh but uh yeah it was a trick question anyway but i like that with the high alderman guy he was good that's uh, Billy Barty, who's called out in the credits as a special appearance by Billy Barty. Billy Barty, Billy Barty rules. Uh, do you recognize any of the other, uh, the Nelwyn people? There's a couple people that... I could have swore one was an Oompa Loompa, but other than that, no. Well, uh, one of the like warriors is Tony Cox who was in Spaceballs and has been, like, in a bunch of comedies. Yeah. The one I said looked like The Rock? Or, no, or that's... Uh, he's he's the one that's, like, with him. The one that you said looked like The Rock was Vonkar, who is Phil yeah. Fondacaro. <laughs> he's not part of the bloodline. No. He was... Uh, he does voice... He was also in Return of the Jedi as one of the Ewoks and has been voices and stuff but no not i know okay yeah the guy you're talking about and bigosh right no his friend he's he's one of the background guys okay, he's I think I know black what you're talking about. he's yeah. like one of the guys that is with them on i the... haven't seen that guy before yeah migosh <sighs> but i couldn't tell you where so i didn't <laughs> migosh is david steinberg he was also in he was uh in oh <laughs> he was short short he was an oompa loompa in epic movie so that was like a uh, parody oompa loompa uh he was also in the hebrew hammer okay <laughs> you remember well that's you know that's the life you, you do yeah. that's a gig life but yeah those are that's the band is willow migosh burgle cut von Carr, and a couple other warriors including tony cox they make their way to the crossroads where they discover Mad Mardigan, a mercenary imprisoned in a hanging cage. And Mad Mardigan offers to take the baby in exchange for his freedom, which Burglecut is in favor of so they can go home. But Willow and Migosh aren't convinced. It's the first daikini they see. Yeah. So it's, it's part, it, that was part of the mission statement. Fair game. <laughs> uh, after arguing, Burglecut and the warriors leave the decision to Willow and head back to the village. 
We gotta give that baby to somebody. I'm somebody. Let me out of here. I'll take care of the baby. I trust him completely. But he tried to strangle me. I wanna go home. No, Burgle Cut. We should wait. Are you challenging my authority? As far as this baby's concerned, yes. But I do want to call out on the way to the crossroads, we got a couple gags, um, including the High Aldwin doing a magic trick where he throws a stone into the air and it turns into a bird. And he's like, follow the bird to go on your quest. And Burglecut goes, it's going towards the village. And he goes, forget the bird, follow the river. <laughs> Which you called out as, that's a good joke. You didn't laugh at it, but no. you said that's a good joke. That's funny. I also liked when he did the the bone saying, tell me nothing. Yeah. As a, yeah, the High Aldwin has that. He he does that thing with Willow where he's like, this is all fake. You're, you're going to become a sorcerer. I think you have what it takes. So I'm going to clue you in on like half of this is just showmanship. He's, he's like uh, the, the guy from Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course... The classic kid gag, the baby throws up on Burgle Cut, which made James almost throw up himself. God. (laughs) There's two gross-out moments like that in this movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was the the era for splats in the face. Yeah. Uh Anyway, Mad Mardigan. I guess splats in the face are are eternal. That's true. (laughs) He's Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer is Mad Mardigan, and we find him in a crow cage which is actually yeah. called a gibbet, a gibbet. A gibbet. And you hang like, somebody in a cage and let them die of exposure. Like a Deckard cane. <laughs> I thought that whole scene was funny. The whole interaction with him trying to get them to unle- unleash him. Yeah. Yeah, Val Kilmer is good in this. He's uh, handsome. He's goofy. He's your leading man. He's not, a, uh, he's not taking it too serious. He's playing up the comedy of it all, and uh, he's having a good time. Yeah, he's your Han Solo. <laughs> I didn't expect the teeth to be so bad when he first smiles. That It's like, whoa, this, this is not my protagonist. Look at his teeth. <laughs> Look at this disgusting man. But they uh, they clear it between scenes, and they explain it by him, like, you know, like middle, medieval times brushing your teeth, which is like chewing cleans, on a root. <laughs> yeah, he cleans his teeth with a rag that's in there in the cage. And they with put him. a little squeegee sound in there. <laughs> I only caught it on the second watch through. Mad Mardigan continues to appeal to Willow and also taunts him, calling him Peck, a Daikini term for Nelwins, which Willow and Migosh obviously take offense to. An and army thrown about yeah. often after this. <laughs> this is just like a casual slur that we've learned and now we're using throughout this movie. Yep. <laughs> an army passes by the crossroads led by Eric, an old comrade of Mad Mardigan's. Willow tries to give the baby to them, but Eric responds that they are on their way to battle, which is no place for a baby. Yeah, that whole the music th- during that part was good. The James Horn with the drum beats. That dun, James Horn. Dung, dung, dung. Oh, no, it was slow. It was like, dong, dong. Classic battle. Everything's going to be all right. Uh, Mad Mardigan tries to get Eric to let him out of the cage to help in the battle, but Eric coldly dismisses him. 
Finally, running out of food, Willow and Migosh decide to free Mad Mardigan, give the baby to him, and head home. Yep, he promises he'll take care of it. And they seem like they believe it. And we also do too, because he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, at this point, I'm like, mm, maybe he will. There's He's something obviously going on with Eric, but we don't really care about and that. Eric is there to die later. <laughs> you could tell from, yeah. from this moment. Absolutely. He's like the the vanilla friend that's a part of the, the, um, the normal social structures <laughs> that has some sort of link with this thief. Or whatever he is. He, we're never quite clear on how Mad Mardigan... Uh, what he did. What he did. Yeah. How he's a criminal. And I thought he was Mad Mardigan until we watched it with subtitles. And then it's, it's all one word. It's, it's Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. That's his name. Well, Eric says that he serves a kingdom and Mad Mardigan does not serve a kingdom. Which, you know, makes you think that he was a traitor in some way. So that's Yeah, maybe they did. were combat buddies at one time yep, he's, he's the Lan- out. Lando Calrissian but yeah. <laughs> not with the charm uh, Willow and Migos don't get far though when they see the baby being carried off by a hawk and uh, a brownie that's yelling I stole a baby <laughs> I stole a baby I stole a baby <laughs> so they follow the hawk and are captured by more brownies that's a fucking brownie a brownie is a, a fairy creature. It's a it's a sprite that is uh, uh, you know it's in it's it's in the realm of the fae. It's a type of. Is this something you knew about before Willow? Yes. It, it exists. Is. It's a it's a gener- generic kind of it's mythical. A t- it's a type of spirit. It's like they're usually boys. They're household spirits that are like will mess with your stuff if you don't you know. Typical fairy stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're not nice to them and you don't do stuff for them, they'll fuck up your shit. I, I my mind goes to Girl Scouts first. That's fair. The little girl, the the, the sub tier Girl, girl <laughs> yeah, Scouts. Yeah, they're not they're not one of the most trotted out fairy types. No, I hate them too. <laughs> Even littler people than the Nelwyn. Yeah, they're the tall people superimposed as tiny little three inch people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're covered with shit. Well, uh, you don't know that shit. It's just like it's, dirt. Well, it's. Pudgy, they're pudgy male dude. They're pudgy pale dudes. They look like the Lost Boys from Hook, but grown like men f- that are small. French-ish accent yeah. that they're doing, and I hate Frangine's anime main. <laughs> yeah, the two main ones that we travel with are Frangine and Rule, but before we're fully introduced to them, sorry, the I got <laughs> heated there for a second. Yeah, you got a little worked up over these brownies. They bring them. Willow and Migosh, to the fairy queen, Sherlindria. Sherlindria brings Willow to the baby, who she reveals is named Elora Dannon. She's very special and must be protected to fulfill the prophecy and stop Bavmorda. Fairy ex machina, great. <laughs> Another fucking prophecy. Sherlindria gives Willow a magic wand, telling him to take it to a sorcerer named Finn Rizel, who can help him bring the baby to a place called Tiraslin, where a good king and queen will take care of Alora Dannon. Why don't you just teleport me? <laughs> Shindrizel. I don't know if they have teleportation magic. They just have, you know, yeah, other kinds of magic. I do like the, the magic in this movie, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, just like she was a gl- gl- Glinda the... Good fairy. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like, again, superimposed, but now she's, like, really big and just kind of ethereal. She kind of changes air. shape and <laughs> is flying around and 
gets small and big and yeah, it just even looks bigger. super flat i didn't like it I it was didn't, weird i don't i didn't like the concept of it in the first place but then that also kind of just looked unimpressive she's just like a big uh a big lady in white yeah hanging in the air what's her name again sherlindria oh okay sounds like a protoss <laughs> Elora Dallin must survive. She must fulfill her destiny and bring about the downfall of Queen Babylonia, whose powers are growing like an evil plague. Unless she is stopped, Babylonia will control the lives of your village, your children, everyone. All creatures of good heart need your help, Willow. Choice. Willow is reluctant to take on this task. He doesn't think he's the right person, but he wants to protect Alora Dannon, so he sends Migosh home, and with the help of the two brownies, Frangine and Rule, heads for a lake where Finn Rizel has been exiled on an island. I did not register the two brownies' names at all the first time. It took, I mean, subtitles. They don't, like, say this is him and, you know, these no. are your two brownies. It's just nobody like they else, talk to each other. Nobody they just else say acknowledges them by name ever no, in the yeah. entire movie. They talk to each other. But. The closest is uh, Mad Mardigan says, hey, mumbo, jumbo. <laughs> That's the best they get. That's the closest to an identity they get from anybody else. Which is kind of fine because you could have done without them. In Absolutely. Like, in, like, the majority of this, but they're obviously there for, like, the kid jokes yeah. they're the goofy comic they're, relief they they put these two comedians in front of a green screen one day <laughs> did all the takes in one day <laughs> they're like most of their scenes are them just kind of standing next to each other facing the camera yeah. <laughs> at, a, at a high angle frangine is rick overton uh who was also in groundhog day and mrs doubtfire and oh yeah eight-legged freaks no, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> and rule is Kevin Pollock, who's uh, from a bunch of things. The Usual Suspects, A Few Good Men, he familiar The Whole to Ten me. Yards. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of things. He was my favorite, I mean, by default because of <laughs> uh, Frangine's hair. But even like Rule's stupid little rat skull mask was kind of dumb looking. <laughs> the funniest thing I think they ever did was the him falling in the beer. And he's like, beer! I think that would be a good gif. Yeah. Other than that uh, cut. They have pints? Yeah. (laughs) Do you think he read Lord Lord of the Rings? And the hook level chroma key is all over with the brownies as well. Yeah, man. It's really, sometimes the bleed is real bad. It's right around the same time. (laughs) But he had to wait. Until yeah, now, for the technology to be this good. What if it was just the brownies? Maybe that. What, what were the brownies? The bottleneck there's and a, Lucas is like. There's a bunch of other stuff, <laughs> but the brownies is like the most consistent. Where yeah. I feel like, well, they must have been important if you felt like you needed the technology. Because there's, okay, we'll get to it. Whatever, we're getting caught sure, up on sorry. these brownies. <laughs> They're very evocative. Yeah. On the way to the lake, uh, the band stops at a tavern and run into Mad Mardigan and Sorsha and her army. Meeting Sorsha for the first time, Mad Mardigan is caught off guard by her beauty, but helps Willow and Alora Dannon escape. Mad Mardigan begrudgingly agrees to help Willow get to the lake where Rizel is, but warms up to him on the journey. 
Uh, when they get to the lake, Mad Mardigan takes his leave and the two say goodbye, but Mad Mardigan is quickly captured by Sorsha's army and forced to reveal the baby's location. Oh. Willow <laughs> finds Rizel, but she has been transformed into a brushtail possum by Bavmorda and is unable to perform magic. Rizel assists Willow in using the wand, but he struggles to cast spells, trying to turn her back into her human form, but instead turning her into a rook. The group is captured by Sorsha's army. Yeah, that was like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I skipped over uh, a bunch of stuff. The whole, the tavern, they get caught at the tavern. Yeah. Mad Mardigan is trying to... I think, well, all I need to say about the tavern is that it's, I think it's my favorite action scene, the whole brawl and then the ensuing chase on the yeah. wagons. That's my favorite action so part. It's a well done action sequence. Uh, there's a little goofy humor of Mad Mardigan obviously sleeping with this lady who has a husband and she's trying to hide him by dressing up as a dressing him up as a woman <laughs> but her husband is like into that and her name his name's lug Classic. two l's <laughs> and he's just like this grotesque vision of the male creature <laughs> yeah just like she, her, his wife Ugh. is afraid <laughs> of, of his wrath if she, he catches her cheating with mad mardigan but simultaneously as soon as he realizes there's another woman in the room he's like oh come here baby in front <laughs> of his wife she's in the d- room yeah. <laughs> she's right there and he's so, like has no qualms about like yeah. saying do you want to breed to this <laughs> exactly <laughs> jesus christ poor girl yeah I, uh, what do you think his D alignment is <laughs> it's gotta be gotta be uh chaotic evil chaotic evil Okay. I see where you stand on the <laughs> grotesque male. You said grotesque male. You're <laughs> the one who brought that up. But yeah, Sorsha, uh, she's just so beautiful. He can't, he's like, you're beautiful. That's, that, li- that's well, literally it. <laughs> that's during the, the tavern scene? Yeah, in the tavern, she shows up. The army mm. happens to show up at this tavern and starts looking for the baby. And... Willow's like, don't show her the baby. And she confronts Mad Mardigan, and he's like, oh. she takes her helmet off, and it's like she took her glasses off. It's like, yeah. you're a beautiful woman. <laughs> oh. Whoa. Oh, oh. I'm interested oh. in you all of a sudden. Uh, um, what is your name? <laughs> oh, beautiful. But yeah, now we're, now we're a band of Willow, Mad Mardigan, Rizel, as a possum, and then as a rook. And like, uh, the crow. baby, yeah, it's a, it's a different it's different. It's not a crow. It's a corvid. It's but a corvid. It's a rook. I'm just saying. I'm just being. That's just for all the philistines out there. <laughs> so they're captured, and yeah. they're marching oh, back shit. to Nakmar. Willow and Mad Mardigan are freed by the brownies, and they try to grab Alora Dan and make a run for it. However, the brownies accidentally dose Mad Mardigan with the dust of broken hearts, a love potion that makes him declare his love for Sorsha, calling attention to their escape. Mm-mm-mm. The group flees, finding Eric and his army in a nearby village who help them escape when Mad Mardigan captures Sorsha for insurance. Escape is generous. They roll down a hill, don't they? <laughs> 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 they they, uh, they take hill. a sled away, but he cool. he gets he gets Sorsha with a knife against her throat and is they like, sent Sorsha down first. How stupid <laughs> was really... is this regiment? 
let's send our most valuable hostage down into the cellar first. Maybe it's them getting their revenge after you're like, you know, they don't want to really listen to her. Yeah, and she's ahead. like, I'm strong enough to do this by myself. And they're like, yeah, fine. Go ahead. Go down. Go ahead, there. Sorsha. Why don't you go down into that ambush? <laughs> uh, as they ride away, Sorsha escapes and runs back to Kale and the army. But there's something going on between these two. But there is something going on because she kind of liked Morgan, it. She liked it. She was into it like real quick. Uh, she has not been treated very well in her life. So somebody saying, I love you and you're a good, you're, I, I love to be around you and you're worth it. She She's was felt like, endorphins for the first time. Whoa, shit. <laughs> and she, you know, and he's hot. She's hot and he's hot. So they look at each other and they're like, we should be together. Yeah, he's on Molly. Yeah. <laughs> most I mean, of his, uh, my note on that was most of his love declarations are pretty basic, but your touch is worth a hundred thousand deaths is pretty good. Pretty good. That's... That would have given me pause. <laughs> she, she's like try, she's like trying to she's putting her her sword against his neck like I'll kill you and he's like I love that you're touching me right now. <laughs> what are you doing here? Your power has enchanted me. I stand helpless against it. Come to me now, tonight. Let me worship you in my arms. Get away from me! I love you. Stop saying that. Stop the beating of my heart. It pounds like never before. Out of fear. Out of love. I can stop it. I'll kill you. Death next to love is a trivial thing. Your touch is worth a hundred thousand deaths. At first I was like, what the hell's happening? And then <laughs> the second time I, we watched, I realized they established this this potion. I was fine. I, under, I understood what hearts, it was yeah. doing, and it was the dust of broken hearts. I get it. That happened earlier in the tavern. But they did show it earlier, working on. It's related the to the your favorite moment, the beer moment. He like falls in there because he got sh- scared by a cat because he tried to approach the cat because he had the love potion. Yeah, I was only confused about why he was engaging with the cat in such a romantic manner. <laughs> <laughs> this this killing machine. You're so beautiful. <laughs> But I let it slide because I don't, I mean, look at all the other things that are happening. <laughs> you just assumed it was like, this is just another plot hole that I uh This must be like the, what the 80s were like. <laughs> <laughs> so the party arrives in Tiraslin, pursued by Kale and the Nakmar army. But they find all the people inside turned to stone, the castle overrun by trolls. Mad Mardigan immediately begins preparing to defend the castle from the army, and Willow accidentally turns a troll into a huge two-headed dragon-like monster called an Eborsisk, which breathes fire and causes chaos in the battle. Eborsisk. Is that supposed to be a play on Basilisk? No, that's actually a play on Siskel and Ebert. So another <sighs> joke on a critic, a pair of critics. And they have two heads. Yeah. I get it. Isn't that- Hilarious. He did the same thing in episode one, Phantom Menace, with this pod racer announcers. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> oh, I love it. In the midst of all the commotion, General Kale is able to get to Alora Dannon and take her away. No. Sorsha, watching Mad Mardigan fight, realizes she's in love with him and kisses him before joining him to fight the army. That was so contrived. <laughs> Kale sees her fighting alongside Mad Mardigan before he rides away. Eric's army comes to aid in the fight, but Kale rides past them and heads straight for Nakmar Castle. So, yeah, this is another big 
action sequence, big battle in the yeah. castle, a lot big of stuff going on. Another, this would also be a big effects moment yeah, this to is, get in here. This is, and again, it's like weird. It's like the two head, this two headed thing. It's very Star Wars. It feels yeah, you like gotta have a, a crazy monster scene in a Star Wars. And movie. it's it's like supposed to be a dragon. It does not look like a dragon. It's like it looks like uh, snakes with testicles on the, on its chins. <laughs> It looks like the Rancor, you know? It's, like, got a weird, bulbous body and, like, long yeah. neck, and it breathes fire and stuff. It's a and complete it's just... non-sequitur, because uh, <laughs> Willow tries his wand. He the did wand, some magic. And, and it's, it... like, wild magic. It, like, transforms a... a dis- very disturbingly, in a very disturbing manner. We get, like, a, a John Carpenter's The Thing moment with <laughs> this troll that uh, suddenly turns into a pile of flesh that... Yeah. Willow kicks into like the moat or something, and then it bubbles up and turns yeah. into this thing. It's like okay, it's, fine, I guess. Like alien heads coming out of it, like <laughs> sprouting out of it first. That that part was metal. That was another good part. Yeah, that was. I mean, like worth it for the the effects in that one moment. But then it turns into this, this thing. This that weird thing has almost no appeal to it in design whatsoever. It's just very ugly. And the troll. The trolls are freaky. The trolls were very freaky. That was probably the scariest, like, the most genuine, ooh, like, because they say there's trolls, but you don't see them for a long time. This is Lord of the Rings, basically. You're thinking they're the big, stupid trolls. Big, big old trolls, but they are, as Willow is walking around, you see them scurrying up the sides of the They're your classic skitterers, turns out. Yeah. (laughs) But they they look like Sasquatch. Yeah, once you get close up. Skittering Sasquatch that can climb walls and then... And they're they're like superimposed stru- on the wall, so it looks all fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> That's also weird. Willow's son at the very beginning said that they'll tear you apart and rip your face off. Yeah. So, like. He was excited yeah. by that. <laughs> so, we know that they're very dangerous. But this qualifies as a troll because trolls is like a catch all term for monster, right? You read that whole book about trolls. About trolls, yeah. Like, but that's like a Norway thing. Like the, In that language, would yeah, you say? Troll, troll is like. Stuff related to magic, nature, and death. It's even broader than monster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a it's like a prefix. Troll, troll like troll things. Uh, in Nokmar, in possession of the child, Bavmorda begins a ritual to banish Alora from the world. <laughs> Mad Mardigan, Sorsha, Willow, Rizel, and Eric and his army ride to Nokmar and set up camp outside, preparing to assault the castle. Bavmorda appears and casts a spell, turning them all into pigs. You're a pig. You're a pig. You're a pig. <laughs> you get a pig, and you get a pig. Rizel tells Willow to use a protection spell on himself as Bavmorda is casting this spell, sparing him from being turned into a pig. Okay, another big effect scene. All these people turning into pigs. Yeah, that was pretty, you know, we get Val Kilmer lifting his face up, and he's half pig, half man. So pig man. Pig <laughs> <laughs> man. <laughs>
Yeah, that was a, a, a more more creepy body horror moment. Yeah, give me more of that. <laughs> Let your dark side. Let your freak flag fly, George. Maybe that wasn't even his idea. Maybe that's something somebody else got in there. <laughs> somebody slipped in it. Uh, Willow successfully turns Rizelle into her human form by way of multiple animals in another major visual effects feat. Okay, okay, yeah. This was the one that they developed, like, for this. this morphing. Is brand new digital morphing technique, which they filmed each animal separately and the actress and, like, blended them all together so that they, you know, yeah, she, turns she goes from the- a goat into a ostrich into a turtle into a tiger and then is an old woman she's like oh no it's been has it been this long that i've been turned into an animal she's nude she's nude and willow puts a blanket on her right away (laughs) because we don't want to see this old lady's naked body (laughs) she's like uh yzma yeah (laughs) turning into different animals at the end of that movie Uh, so once she's a human rizelle uses the wand to undo the pig spell on all the soldiers and they come up with a plan to lure the nakmar soldiers out and get them to open the gate so eric's army can swarm in they ask raziel like what's what's the plan now how do we get in there and she's like i don't know how to get in there (laughs) (laughs) just get me in there and i'll fight her but i I, I don't know what to do i I transformed you into humans but that (laughs) i'm spent it's pretty much what i can do but, uh, you know, Willow has his hero moment here because he has a hobbity knowledge of farming. Mm-hmm. He knows about gophers. Right. So they dig holes, little foxholes. And hide in them. In the battle, as they are approaching the castle in the gates, General Kale kills Eric and Mad Mardigan kills Kale. Mm-hmm. That's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> you know, you expect it. Willow, Rizelle, and Sorsha head to the tower where Bavmorda is conducting the ritual. Rizelle confronts Bavmorda and they fight while Willow tries to get to Alora. Sorsha tries to stop her too at this point, but she's like completely worthless. Yeah. Bavmorda is just like, yeah, you're nothing to me. You turned on me, so I'll kill you. She's going to like push her into spikes with magic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Rizelle saves her ass. But she gets knocked out or something in yeah. the process. Yeah. The two matronly sorcerers do a lot to broaden the female representation uh-huh. <laughs> in this movie. They're, they're carrying. I love the uh, Magic the Gathering duel that they have. <laughs> and the part where they go fisticuffs <laughs> for a moment. Yeah. Rizal just punches Bob Morda in the face. Uh, Willow finally grabs Alora and is about to leave when Bavmorda stops him, demanding he bring the baby back. Willow uses his sleight-of-hand trick to make Bavmorda think he's made Alora disappear, and in her shock and anger, Bavmorda accidentally triggers the ritual on herself, disappearing into a cloud of red mist and lightning. She dumps the ritual blood all over her feet. <laughs> And that's like it. She was like dropping a toaster into a bathtub. She was gone. (laughs) And her her shocked face when Willow disappears, the baby is very good. (laughs) She's like, what? (laughs) This little guy just made this baby disappear. Impossible. Impossible. It seems like magic can only do like transmutation, evocation, and some divination. Yeah. And so, maybe it was an invisible spell. And they do play by the rules of like you need to speak a spell and you need to have a component you need mm. a, a wand or something yeah. 
You need the thing. You need concentration. Well, Bav Morda didn't need a wand. Classic D and D rules. Well, she's super powerful. I guess Her, she's got. She's a sorceress. She's the she's the biggest fanciest sorceress ever. Also, it's pretty funny that it took Bav Morda like hours and hours to set this ritual up very precise couldn't just kill this baby she needed to banish her from the world completely but she knocks over some bowls and apparently (laughs) that's enough to start it oh shit (laughs) (laughs) it's like stepping in a bear trap (laughs) fuck (laughs) she's just so mad she's like gonna go attack willow and knocks over these bowls and it's all over in the celebration Afterwards, Rizel gifts Willow with a spell book, saying he's on his way to becoming a great sorcerer. Mad Mardigan and Sorsha take Alora Dannon into their care, and Willow returns to his village, a hero. And just every step of the way, this is Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's the Star Wars award ceremony at the end. <laughs> hero gets a little medal, a little keepsake, and oh, uh-huh. he has so much potential. And uh, uh, Return of the King, like the bowing to the little people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. although that doesn't exactly happen does it not like a full not like full return of the king one no 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 scratch that it's mostly style horse it just looks like return of the king and that's uh that's it that's below there's a jaunty ditty over the credits <laughs> So what would you say, in the case of Willow, that you're writing is? It was super appealing to see uh, the entire cast of little people on screen at once, with no big person in sight. Mm -hmm. Like, how often do you see that? Uh, But really, very um, um, uh, derivatory. Derivative? Derivative. That's the word. Very derivative. Uh, and uh, not really enough to make a splash. I see why it was mostly forgotten. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I have to... I have to... I, I, it's been a long time, but it's it's that's where we are now. You never even know what it was. No, I didn't. I think if I was gonna say, if I was gonna make a, a, a judgment call, I'd probably be in just like because yeah, it's like enough of it is cute and I like the vibe. Mm-hmm. But Maybe it, if it were ninety it is, minutes, yeah, it would be a different. It's a little, story. it's a little long, and it's like yeah, it's it's uh, very corny, very corny, and uh, not I like yeah, derivative is a great great word for it it's just it's like lord of the rings with a baby instead yeah. of a ring yeah and, that's pretty much and like the visual all this the visual stuff that was supposedly the thing that he really needed to make it work it's like a lot of it doesn't really hit for me some it, of it is okay and the rest of it is like you could have done without a lot of this i think they pretty much had the same technology in the lord of the rings <laughs> yeah. movies yeah, I mean, it's like you got that one animal transformation that was a real major, and you d- I don't think you really needed it. There's a lot of stuff that you didn't really need. Yeah. It, just it makes you wonder a, about that a hat series. On a, hat. a hat on a hat. <laughs> <laughs> makes you wonder about that series, though. Like, how did that come about? The belief in it must have been, or the, or the funds behind it must have been powerful. Yeah. Well, I have a little bit about the series to talk about in the post show, and we can 
get into more of your notes in the post show. But for now, I think that's all we have to say. Yeah. About Willow from 1988. Our year. <laughs> the year we came into this universe. That's right. Well, I showed you mine. What are you going to show me next time? Oh boy. Yeah. Next time it is our last normal episode of the season. And it's going to be. Uh, we're going to be returning to the Metroid series for our second entry okay. in the chronological order of Samus Aran, of the story of Samus Aran. And it's called Metroid 2, The Return of Samus, but it's we're going to play the remake, Metroid 2, Samus Returns, Okay. on the 3DS. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's another, like Zero Mission, it's a remake of an older game. But I wouldn't do that to you to play the old one. Similar situation. All right, well, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So join us then, dear listener, when James shows me the next Metroid game in the series. But for now, I've been Elise, and that's been James. And you can find everything about us in the show at allshowyoumine.show, including a big button that says Patreon, where if you would like to become a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you could get access to a special personalized feed where you're going to get this post-show. The audio quality is better. You get a uh, fancy album art that's downloadable as a phone wallpaper and unique episode notes. And, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. And if you're already a patron, tell your friends. If you don't want to become a patron but you like the show, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you use. Apparently that helps put you in front of more people. That's what they say. I don't really know, but... The algorithm. And remember, don't call someone peck. That's not nice. Especially when they say don't. Just, you know, doesn't seem like a nice thing. Don't be rude. Don't watch Willow. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you you should watch it. I think it's, I think it's good enough to check it out. Sure. That's, yeah. Remember, it's good enough to check out.